The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Amen. Go ahead and uh, take a seat. And you can take out your copy of uh, God's Word and turn to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2 is where we'll be. Um, And as you do that, did you know that those words that we just sang to the Lord, that the heavenly hosts themselves are singing those very words? Hear this in, this is from Revelation chapter 5. They're saying with a loud voice, right now, worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What an incredible verse that we, as we sang, we got to join uh, uh, the heavenly host in singing those very, very words. So we're going to do some uh, business now with uh, God's word in 1 Thessalonians 2. Um, If you don't have a copy of God's word, just raise your hand. Our ushers will get you one of those. If uh, you need some sermon notes like this to follow along or a pen, again, just uh, put your hand up. They'll uh, deliver those to you. Bring them right out to you. in those Bibles that they give you, First Thessalonians is on page 573. It's 573. If uh, uh, you're unsure of where that is, just turn to that page. You can dog ear it if you want to. And uh, that way you'll always know where to go when we're in First Thessalonians, which will be there for um, the next few weeks. So um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, that, that Bible is uh, for you. So you ready to be in First Thessalonians 2? Last week we were in chapter 1, obviously, and we began our series on build what lasts and uh, seeing Paul's commendation on being a church worth imitating. But someone has once said, I believe as a seminary president, he said, everything rises and falls on leadership. Ever heard that statement before? Ever heard that made? Everything rises and falls on leadership. And what, without debating the absolute truthfulness of uh, such a, a statement, the point can't be denied that the quality of leadership has a profound impact on both the influence, the movement, and the outcomes of a gathered group of people. And I would say that each of us could probably uh, recall to mind without much effort those examples in our own life or examples that we have heard of really great leaders and also pretty poor leaders, right? Both in the church, outside of the church, but we have uh, uh, lots of examples. In the last 30 to 40 years, unfortunately, the, the church has all kinds of scandals related to poor leaders leadership, right? And uh, abuse of power and sexual immorality and embezzling money and bullying and intimidation, so-called miracles that are turned out to just be uh, scams. But does the Bible speak to leadership? Think it does? You bet it does. You bet it does. As it speaks to everything in life and teaches us how to, uh, all things pertaining to life and godliness, right where we're at in 1 Thessalonians 2, in this series on build what lasts, remember our little hashtag, right? Build what lasts. This is where it takes us. And so write this down here. It's at the top of your notes. Write this down. A church worth imitating needs leaders worth following. A church worth imitating so what we talked about last week and those characteristics of a church which made that church commendable and gave it its reputation in that area. And for us today, a church worth imitating needs leaders worth following. So follow along with me here now in chapter 2. We're going to just look at the first eight verses and I want to read it for you. Follow along now. It says this, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. 
But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. Can is that in line with God's word or not? It's a self-appointed person. That's, that's a self-appointed uh, leader, a self-appointed uh, teacher, pastor. But God-approved leaders are marked by these things. Do you see this in verse 4? What does verse 4 begin with? It begins with the contrast, right? But... But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. See, God-approved leaders, they proclaim the gospel. They know that they've been entrusted with a stewardship. You realize that the good news of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, has been entrusted to you as a good gift, right? We've talked about this in, in other weeks, but it is as God, he has uh, given you faith, he's saved you, and he said, here's this gift, it's the good news, and leaders especially understand that this is a stewardship, that God has given you a precious jewel, not to hoard, but to give away, to lead others in and say, hey, here's the good news. I didn't deserve this. I didn't earn it. I didn't conjure this up, but it's been given to me, and now come and taste and see, right? It's like great coffee, like you have to try this coffee, this great bean. It's a, you, you want to try it, or you can just hoard it and drink it to yourself and have the caffeine fix. But God approved leaders proclaim the gospel. They understand that they're just delivery boys, right? Think of the newspaper process. They're not, they're not the editors. They're not the producers. They're not the writers by any means. That God-approved leaders just know that they are delivery boys, delivery women, just delivering the gospel. I've been entrusted with this. My only job is to pedal my bike and to throw it out to make sure everybody is getting this good news. Everybody is getting the word. That's what God-approved leaders, they proclaim the gospel because they realize, look, that they have an audience of one. So we speak, look, at not to please man, but to please God. There's no ear tickling telling people how good they are all the time. It's just the Lord's message. It's just out here. I have one person that I'm here to please. As a leader, I'm here. I'm not to, not to be a jerk, not to be rude or anything, but I know that at the end of the day, I answer to one person, to please God and not to please man. Because God-appointed leaders, not only do they proclaim the gospel, not only do they have an audience of one, but they also have a sensitive conscience. They have a sensitive conscience to these things. Look, at it, it says, but to please God, who what? Who tests our heart. God approved leader, someone who has been sent by the Lord, is entrusted with the gospel. They're, they're constantly, they're asking for feedback. They want evaluation. They, they know that it is God who tests our heart in the secret things, but also in the external things. From those other uh, people who are godly leaders who, who are saying, hey, was, was this true? Was this right? Did I stray from, from the truth? Did I stray from the gospel? They're asking for feedback. They are in, the, in their quiet time. They're, they're praying and asking God, God, search me and try me. Know my heart. See if there's any wayward way in me. See if there's any room for uh, my own glorification, that I am stealing your glory. God, test me, convict me. But it is God who knows the heart. These are God-approved leaders, those that have a sensitive conscience and not a seared conscience or a suppressed conscience that only is concerned with themselves and not with the Lord. See, these leaders worth following, they, they come out clear in the courtroom when examined. 
Not only are they found worthy on the battlefield, but upon closer examination in the courtroom when all the evidence of their message and their life and all the stones have been unturned, all the curtains have been looked behind, all the final details and the DNA and all those things that the prosecuting attorney can find nothing, even in digging. The jury determines that they are true with the truth. And the judge says, you know, I approve. I'm pleased. Judge being God. These are leaders worth following. So how do we spot, a, or how do we, rather, how do we spot those phony uh, leaders? And more specifically, Matt, we say, how do we spot like a phony preacher? You know, there's all kinds of things. We're speaking to leadership directly, um, but you probably know we've already used some examples of, uh, you know, like preachers and, you know, so-called church leaders, those guys that are on TV or whatnot that are, are phony and they have scandals and, you know, so how do we sniff them out? Right? How, do we, how do we spot those guys? Well, here's just a few things as I was thinking that could maybe be helpful to you as because I, I understand, you know, you come here, I preach, this is time of the word, but you might hear other uh, messages. You might listen to uh, things on a podcast or on TV or whatnot. And so um, here's, here's a rubric to go through. Is the ministry named after him or her? You know, a self-appointed person versus a God-approved person. Is there like, is it Blair Cushman Ministries? tell you this is not it's not named here okay is it named after that person be wary is their face on the cover of all their books the things that they produce the things that they put out there are there big pictures of their smiling face that's not like an autobiography or or a biography if someone's written a biography about another person their face is on it that's you know it's maybe nothing to be alarmed about but everything that they produce, the things that are coming out, you know, do you have to pay an exorbitant price for their, their messages, their sermons, beyond normal, uh, you know, production costs and things like that? And are you having to pay an exorbitant price to hear what this person has to say or this teaching that they uh, are, are doing? You know, is this person, are they always the hero of their story? You know, they tell them, like, look at me, look at what God has done in my life. Are they the hero of their story or is Jesus the hero of the story? It's Jesus the hero. Are there, is their teaching always novel? You know, is it, is it a new revelation? Or is, it, or is it, you know, this never before heard teaching? As I was reading my Bible this week, God revealed to me something that he's never revealed in the history of humanity. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out for, for a teacher like that. Watch out for a leader like that. Because the, as the Bible itself says, there's nothing new under the sun. Now there's new ways of presenting things. There's new ways of teaching things. But if it's like some new revelation, something never before seen, nothing, uh, something novel, let the alarms go off. Ding, 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 ding. This is something to uh, avoid. And lastly, how do you spot somebody? It's, are they unaccountable to other elders, other leaders? Or are they just doing their thing? Are they just set up shop to, um, to take advantage of other believers? If, that's, if that thing is true, then watch out. And these things, you know, I've kind of used them in a big picture of, of how to spot other preachers or things, you know, on TV, other things, just for you to know as to equip you. These things should be true as you look at me, you know, as am I accountable? Am I always the hero? And if these things become true, please call me out. But distill these down and you really have a, a sniff test for local leaders here in the church, other things. But is it about them? Are they self-appointed or are they God-approved? You know, because here's the thing, as we, as we even, you know, begin to develop leaders, as we look for leaders here within our church, this is, th- these are the things that we look for. Are they faithful? 
You know, are they faithful to the text? Are they faithful to the truth? Are they faithful to the gospel? Are they available to the service? Are they available to, uh, to the Lord and to the commitments that they've made and the commitment that this responsibility carries? Are they faithful? Are they available? And are they teachable and sensitive? Are they accountable? Those are the things that we look for. These, this is the rubric. That's the sniff test for a God-appointed person, for somebody who is after the Lord, who wants to proclaim the gospel, who has a sensitive conscience, knows that he is here or she is here to please the Lord. But you see, uh, these pictures of leadership, they've been pretty rugged and tough at this point, right? Battle-tested, right? In the courtroom, what are they saying? What are they teaching? And this next trait, though, brings out a tender side. You see where it goes from here? See, a leader worth following is mom-tested, not self-interested. Yeah, mom tested is just a hyphen, uh, hyphenated word that I made up this week. I'm going to tell you what it means in a, in a minute. But I wanted it to be a, a, a something that we uh, memorize. As Aaron and I were uh, running this week, I was like, how do, we, how, do, how do I say this? You know, how do I say it in a way that is uh, interesting? And we couldn't really come up with anything, so I just threw this in there. It's mom-tested and not self-interested. See, self-interested people, look at, at verse 5. This is where we come. Self-interested people, hear these, hear these marks, right? They're, they're, they're about flattery. They're about greed. They're about... Uh, seeking praise. You see this? These, this flattery here, we never came to you. Paul's saying he's using his example, but self-appointed people, they are self-interested uh, people, are always appealing to the flesh. They're flattering others. You know, it's kind of the way in. It's, it's how you get people to like you. And as you, as you uh, flatter people, then you can extort them, and then you can uh, get their praise. You know, I once heard this preacher a so-called preacher at this big event, and he began his message with this thing. He said, hey, turn the person next to you and tell him, him or her that they're the most beautiful person that uh, you've ever sat next to. It's like, what the world? Why are we starting, you know, this way? Like, that might be true. You know, when I sit to, next to my wife, she is the best-looking uh, lady that I have ever sat next to and will ever sit next to, and anybody who ever sits next to her will sit. Uh, um, so I can say that because I'm her husband. But he began by that, and then he continued to ask these other questions that were really just like appealing to our flesh and like getting us to, it was just flattering us. And as he, as he went on then, then he began to gouge and use the, the message. He, wasn't, he was fast and loose with the word. He wasn't even really preaching from a Bible. I don't even know if he had it in his hands or before him, but he was just flattering. And then it was just this pretext. It was just this gateway into greed, this gouging and using others to build up their own kingdom, taking advantage This is in, uh, of, of the people that were there. And what's interesting is this is why the, the prosperity gospel, have anybody heard of that terminology, the prosperity gospel, or the health, wealth, and uh, prosperity gospel, where God wants to, to bless you. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be wealthy. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Some people are those things, but it's not promised. It's not guaranteed. And it's not just this, uh, uh, this uh, outcome that always happens happens when we, uh, you know, we do the right things, we have enough faith, and then poof, we are materially prosperous here on this earth. Our, our uh, hope for health, wealth, and prosperity ultimately is when we get uh, to heaven, when we're with the Lord. Um, and, and uh, you know, s some of us, uh, our greatest treasure in this life might just be our suffering and the, the closeness that that brings us to the Lord. 
Um, but it's the reason why these things have, have a, a, a great appeal in third world countries. Among the poor, is they come and then they're just gouged. They're like, wow, this guy's really, he just flew in on this massive helicopter. I want to be like that. So I'm going to listen to his message. And he's just seeking the praise. See this? Look at, it's saying, hey, look at me, look at me. In verse 6, he's saying, we didn't do that. We didn't seek glory from people whether from you or from others. We didn't do that. We didn't come and say, hey, look how God has blessed me. Be awesome like me and have all this awesome stuff, right? No, Paul came. He was an apostle. He was this church planter, and he came ragged and beat up from city to city. That's what he came with. He came, he came with, with, with nothing. And here's the crazy part that he puts. He says, although we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, so he's saying here, hey, as an apostle, he was the top of the spiritual food chain, right? God appointed these men at a specific season in human history to, as the church began, as the kind of the foundational mouthpiece, the foundational leaders for the building up of the church and the advancement of the gospel that started there in Jerusalem with Jesus. And Jesus took these men, these apostles, and he, he took them and he spread them and, and entrusted them with the gospel. And now we have, that are, that's just multiplying out from us as the church. No apostles now, though some may claim to be, no apostles now, but he's saying we could have we were there with Jesus. We were those that were entrusted with it. But we didn't do it. And so neither should you. Neither should other leaders. We could have, but we didn't. See, self-interested people are just, they're, they're about that. They want their own praise, you know? But look here at verse 7. What comes to mind, then, that is the exact opposite of a self-interested person? Somebody who's only about their own praise, that's only about their own comfort, their own flattery. What is the exact opposite of that type of person. What does verse 7 say, boy? A mom, right? Moms, you moms who are in here, you especially nursing moms, right? With little babies. And the care and the attention and the sacrifice that moms give in those seasons. All of us are here because of a gentle nursing mom in some capacity. And these moms... They are held up as the shining example of godly leadership. You see this here? They are the shining examples of godly leadership. So you moms that are here, thank you for doing that. Thank you for showing us. Maybe us dads, we need to, uh, uh, we need to give our wives a break this afternoon, right? We need to show them some love and give them a break. Yes, dads, yes, I'm saying this. You know, here, take care of our kids. Let them go and have a little, uh, a little break. And then when they're back at it and they're working, let's take some notes, dads, and what our wives are doing as moms, how they are constantly giving. Let's take notes and follow their example. See, moms, they don't, they don't flatter babies, right? They're not out to get anything. You know, I got this little baby, I borrowed it from my daughter. She was quite alarmed that I was taking her little baby. I'm trying not to squeeze it too because it like cries and laughs and I'm like, it's coming across weird. This is her little baby, you know? And this is an example, right? These moms, they're not out to, to flatter babies. They're not out to, to get anything. They're not seeking thanks from the baby, probably from you, dad, but not from the baby, right? But they're up in the middle of the night. They're gentle. Look at, they're gentle. Came to you. It's a nursing mother. We're gentle among you. They're affectionate, verse 8. See that? We're affectionately desirous of you. And they're available, right? We were, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. 
Paul in another uh, uh, spot in 2 Corinthians, he said, we were willing to spend and be spent for your sake. Godly leaders, those that are mom-tested, these are godly leaders that are worth following. Not just that they're tough and, uh, and battle-worn, and that not just that they are truthful and rigorous with the truth and, and uh, men and women of integrity, but they are also these gentle, affectionate, available people giving of themselves, sacrificing like a mom would for the people that they love, for the people that have been entrusted for them. Because they realize that the gospel is at stake. They're mom-tested, not self-interested, not using their position as a platform for greater influence and greater authority and greater uh, self-interest and greater material blessing. No, godly leaders worth following are like a mom without any hope for reward, without any hope for flattery or greed or self-glorification. Just mom-tested. These are leaders worth following. That are gospel strong. That are God approved. And are mom tested. And so how do we develop these leadership muscles? You ever thought about that? You know, you might have heard the statement that some people are just born leaders. Some maybe so. But I don't think that it's necessarily something that everyone just is like born and thrust into. That we can, we can develop these muscles. We can develop uh, this battle readiness and this approval, this, this motherly tenderness. And so how do we do this? How do we grow and develop our leadership muscles? Well, it first begins with immersing yourself in the word. You've got to be that. What are they armed with? They're armed with the gospel. And if you haven't immersed yourself in it, then how can you come ready to battle it? This is where we, this, this is, this is where we uh, practice. This is where we swim our laps, right? This is where we get ready and where we do the practice. So when battle comes, when the testing comes, when the, the examination comes, we pass, Right? We have to be immersed in the word. We have to be immersed in the gospel, regularly preaching it to ourselves and living in light of it and proclaiming it and leading and pointing others to it no matter what stage they are in life. There's a, a, another pastor out in North Carolina and he says this, the gospel is not just the diving board, but it's the whole pool. It's not just the diving board, but it's the whole pool. Sometimes we think the good news of Jesus is, is just the entry point. This is how we get into faith. This is how we get into Christ-likeness. And that's certainly true, but it's also the whole pool in which we swim. It's not as though, okay, we've mastered this and now we're on to bigger and better things. No, the gospel is the biggest and best thing. That is what life is about. And so we are constantly preaching to ourselves. We are constantly reminded of our sin and living in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And how do we do that? Is by immersing ourselves in the word, swimming the laps, getting in the gym, doing the reps, developing the muscles. But second, the way we do it is we engage unbelievers in faith conversations. We need to engage unbelievers in faith conversations. We need to be, what does our pillar say? Unafraid witness. Not beating people up, not out there. I didn't say engage unbelievers in faith fights, but just un in faith conversations. Not afraid to talk about the things of the Lord and what the Lord is doing in your life. The, what you read in the word and as you're talking about certain situations, being free and willing to speak about what the Bible has to say into that situation. 
It's just willing to engage them, not as an ornery person, not because you're just trying to win the argument, but just because you care about them. That's how these things happen. That's how you will be bold with the gospel. Not cower, not shrink back, but just be willing to engage other believers. And as you do that, that's like being in the, in the weight room and, and, and testing your max, right? Or doing a few extra reps. That's what will develop these muscles. Being unafraid, putting it to the test, seeing does this hold up, in conversation, being okay with being shamefully treated and suffering and all those things, whatever the consequences may be, because you are convicted of the truth of this and the helpfulness of the gospel. Third way is we avail yourself to one another. Avail yourself to one another. One another's being one of the Bible's way of talking about believers, the one another's of scriptures. This is, uh, this, this is the body of Christ. And so making yourself available, prioritizing time with the body, prioritizing time with believers. We can't always be busy. We can't always have something else that's getting in the way of coming to church or, or uh, you know, coming to small group when they start or being around other believers. We have to prioritize time with the body because being around them will grow your love for them. Being around believers is how you grow your love for them. That's where this, the mom testing takes place. This is where the gentleness, the availability, the affection comes from is by availing yourself to one another, a fine life and joy and energy and, and fun with one another. The last way that we develop these muscles is we train with other leaders. Go and train, learn, imitate. How do we do this? What does the Bible have to say about this? How, do, how have they found success as a godly leader? What's the secret behind how the, why they live this, this godly life? Where, how have they put the word into practice in their life? How do we train? How do, we, how, do, how, do, how do you do this? How can you imitate others? Here's a way specifically you can do it. We, uh, in our church, in our, our collective of churches, is we have this really great leadership development process. The first one is called Uncommon Leadership 101. Many of you, a few of you here, I guess, uh, not many, but a few of you, uh, have already taken it. And, uh, and that's the first step. We actually have this whole curriculum all the way out to Uncommon Leadership 601. 101, 201, 301, 401, 501, and 601. And, uh, and it's a great pipeline. It's a great way to grow in what God's word has to say with other leaders here. And, uh, and it's a way that not just that you can grow as a leader of our small groups, as these things are uh, requirements that we, we ask people to go through if you're a small group leader, um, but it's just great leadership equipping for you in your home and in your workplace. It's, it's, it is a robust uh, uh, a training and robust class. And so... Um, if you're interested in, in being a part of that and growing in that way, potentially leading a small group someday here, um, go ahead and just text me right now that you want to do it. I don't have my phone, so don't worry. It's not going to buzz. I'm not that dumb to bring it up here, so people be texting me and calling me. Um, but uh, text me right now. If you don't have my number, then fill it out on your connection card. And let me know, because we want to schedule a class for this. I, I really do want to do it. It's like a, a Saturday morning thing. Um, the whole, the 601 takes usually about six hours to get through the, the whole stuff. And so maybe do it in one day or break it up in a couple days. But, uh, but it's really great, very hands-on and, uh, and a fantastic uh, uh, class. And we've done it with San Antonio, with Austin, our sister church is there. And uh, we may just uh, do that as well. So if you want to be a part of it, if you want to participate, let me know, fill it out and, uh, and get in on that. And we'll continue to do those things as we, uh, as we go. So if you let me know, I'll, I'll schedule it. 
That sound good? That sound interesting? Anybody like, yeah, I want to do that. That's, that sounds fun. It's a great way to, to be together. So, and a great way to train. Because this is how we build these leadership muscles. Because remember, a church worth imitating needs leaders worth following. And so this is, this is the question. Who will rise up? Who will lead in this way? You know, we are a church that is committed to growing godly leaders. We have to. This is, as this is a church that is worth imitating, here's God's instructions to this church in Thessalonica. Paul is teaching them here in, these, in this chapter on how to be leaders. He's saying, imitate me with humility. The gospel is at stake. The church's reputation is at stake. And so here he's saying, come and do this. Come and be men and women following hard after Jesus that themselves can be followed. And with humility, like Paul say, be imitators of me as I imitate, follow Christ. We need men and women like that in our church, in our community, in, our, in the marketplace, in our homes, if we want to see the gospel go forward, if we want to see discipleship happen and the lost saved and the saved matured and the mature multiplied and godly leaders, godly leaders like this, they pass the test in the battlefield, in the courtroom, and in the nursery. And so may God do that here among us, in this church, among us people here for his glory and the advancement of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Would you join me as we pray now? God in heaven, uh